Hello, and welcome to the Living Cruelty Free With Me podcast. My name is Claire, and I'm the creator of the blog and social media platform, Cruelty Free With Me, where my goal is to show everyone how easy it is to live a life free from harm. Now, I do this by promoting an ethical vegan lifestyle. Whether you're looking to transition into a vegan lifestyle or just looking to make some kind and conscious decisions, this podcast is for you. Together, we will change the world by spreading awareness and inspiring change. Please stay updated by following at Living Cruelty Free with me on both Facebook and Instagram. And do not forget to hit that subscribe button to get notifications on upcoming episodes. So Amy Serrano is a Canadian animal rights activist who has dedicated her life to fighting for animal liberation. She focuses on taking direct action through investigating animal agriculture, conducting open rescues, as well as engaging in mass civil disobedience events. Amy has also organized Meet the Victims, which was the first of its kind in Canada. Amy, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. You're my first ever guest, which is really exciting. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing? How are you managing through this pandemic we're experiencing? Oh my gosh, this is so weird. I'm managing okay, but yeah, it's definitely really weird. My mom's been pretty ill and she was actually in the COVID ward in Kelowna. Oh man. Um, Yeah, so that's been pretty intense, but she's she's doing okay. strength back. Yeah, she's slowly getting her strength back. She's able to actually talk now, which is good. But they think the virus went to her heart. So now she's having a lot of problems with her heart. So it's a bit scary. Well, that's good that she's getting somewhat better. And hopefully this is going to be over soon. Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) How long have you been vegan for? I've been vegan for coming up on six years. I think I don't have like a vegan bursary like a lot of people. You don't? No, no. I, I definitely went vegan overnight. I just have no idea what day that was. Um, okay. But yeah, it's it's in and around like coming up on six years. Yeah. So I first went vegan for – we're not vegan. I went plant-based for health. So okay. I definitely came to veganism for health reasons. But as I researched more and more into, you know, all the animal aspects, uh, I definitely became vegan for the animals 100%. What inspired you? Like, who or what inspired you in the beginning? Well, I watched documentaries. I watched Earthlings, Cowspiracy, and Forks Over Knives all in the same weekend. And it was after that I was like, yeah, I'm done. That's it. I'm vegan. And I just no longer wanted animals to unnecessarily suffer and die just for me to have things that I don't need. Mm -hmm. So, of course, that includes not only, like, the food that we eat, but the entertainment I partake in, my clothes, hair, makeup. All my products are cruelty-free and vegan. Right. It's kind of funny because one of the most frequent comments I get when I'm in the news (laughs) or in the public eye is that I'm such a hypocrite because animals were tested on and killed in order for me to wear makeup or dye my hair. (laughs) And so many people just don't realize that there are animal-free versions of everything. It's crazy. I know. You must get that a lot, too. Yeah, like from my toothpaste down to the shoes I wear. (laughs) Everything is cruelty-free, but yes, I get commented on that all the time. It's wild. Yes. So you're the creator of, well, not the creator, but you were the organizer of Meet the Victims here in Canada, which just passed. Mm -hmm. I can't believe it's already been a year. I know. What a monumental event. So crazy. Yeah. Can you tell listeners what that is if they don't know what Meet the Victims is? Yeah, for sure. So Meet the Victims was started in 2018 in Australia 
when Leah Dolinger brought a group of activists inside of a pig farm. And that action was so powerful and inspiring that activists from all across the world have followed suit. So a year later in 2019, I brought Meet the Victims to Canada and I organized, to our knowledge, the first action of this kind in our country. So we had over 200 activists occupy the inside and outside of Excelsior Hog Farm in Abbotsford, BC. And those who were willing to disobey unjust laws all suited up in bio gear. And mm-hmm. early that morning, we stormed inside that farm and live streamed everything. What a crazy day that was. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think it was successful? Can you say I- that? Do you think Do you think it was successful? And why do you think actions like this are so important? Yeah. So the thing about animal agriculture is that this is an industry that relies on secrecy. They Mm -hmm. rely on their customers not knowing the truth about how animals' bodies and secretions are produced prior to being in the grocery store. Um, And it's also an industry that realizes that animal farming and slaughter is horrific. So they conceal it completely. It's entirely up to whistleblowers and activists to expose what's happening. Right. So, yeah, I think any action that exposes the realities is very, very powerful. And in doing it in such a large group and through having such a huge group of people doing illegal action, we were able to negotiate. So we negotiated for mainstream media media to come inside and tour the farm with cameras So after, I don't remember how many hours it was. I mean, we were inside the farm for seven hours, but I think after five hours or so, they finally agreed to let media inside. So that was huge. There wasn't an action in the entire world that's achieved that goal yet. So that was Mm -hmm. huge. And it also generated mass media attention. So not only local media, but national and international news showed up and they stayed there all day long. And when people are arrested while taking direct action for animals, it also allows us to bring these issues into the court system. And so we can challenge our legal and political systems around the unnecessary use and slaughter of animals. And the more we flood our court systems with animal rights cases, they will have no choice but to acknowledge and address these issues. So I'm excited to go to court. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that's another, like us getting arrested. I think that that is a success. I mean, we, that was our goal. Right. And do you think it was successful in terms of the media portraying the accurate inside of the farm? Um, so (laughs) (laughs) when the farmer agreed to allow media inside, they spent many hours cleaning up specific areas inside the farm that they would Mm -hmm. show and they clean themselves up they put on new clothes and they prepared a script and it was all very uh fake fake (laughs) um but i think i mean we i was walking with them around that farm they saw gestation crates they showed farrowing Mm -hmm. crates and which they don't usually do which they don't usually do. People don't even know that this is happening. So I think anyone who just saw that footage, despite what they were saying. That um, was enough almost. Yeah. I mean, how could you not be impacted by that? Right. Now let's go back to the fact that you mentioned that all of these people, including myself took the legal risk, right? Now, Mm -hmm. not everyone is willing to do that. So no, what would you What would you say to those people who aren't willing to take legal risk for animals? Um, I think that's okay. 
I completely understand that not everyone is able or willing to engage in civil disobedience. Mm -hmm. Um, I realized that being in the position to be able to voluntarily get arrested and feel safe enough to do so is a privilege. And that being Mm -hmm. said, I think that everyone who is in support of animal rights and liberation should support civil disobedience because that's a vital Mm -hmm. tool in our movement. Um, during most civil disobedience actions, there are usually groups of people who are taking illegal action and a group who are taking legal action. So regardless of what team you're on, both teams are so necessary. The outside team at Meet the Victims generated a lot of attention and they were the faces and voices of everyone inside. So through the media interviews and protests, I mean, that's what they saw was that outside team. There was a hundred and fifty something activists who were outside on a public road um, outside of that farm and they were holding a protest and yeah so they did media interviews when the media showed up and they were basically just like that presence that mass presence that really drawed in a lot of attention there's also so many roles that need filling within the organizing and execution stages of these types of actions there's media liaison police liaison writers to draft news releases and email templates marketing experts, traffic marshals, social media and web designers. There's so many. I mean, lawyers, jail support. It just goes on and on. That being said, I would also think really long and hard as to why you believe that you can't get arrested. A lot of people I talk to immediately say no to engaging in civil disobedience. But when I ask them why, they don't really have an answer. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, getting arrested isn't first on anyone's list of things they want to do but it's necessary in achieving changes. So I think that we need to weigh the pros and cons and really think about it. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously with legal risk comes legal fees. Mm -hmm. And often I get asked or get comments about how that money for lawyers could go elsewhere. (laughs) So, So what would you say to that? Okay, well, money is so needed in so many different aspects. Um, A big one is probably animal sanctuaries. We all know that sanctuaries everywhere are really struggling financially. Um, And there are many other things. But I'm not sure why people would think that donating money to activists' legal fees aren't also just as important. Because if we're serious about animal rights and creating real, tangible changes for animals, we need to support activists who are fighting those legal battles. This Mm -hmm. is one of the most significant things that we could do for other animals. Their rights and liberation will not happen without that. And taking these issues to the powerful people in courts and repeatedly demanding change is what will bring the system change that is necessary in order for us to achieve animal liberation. And we must realize that there are people all over the world who are sacrificing their entire lives, their freedoms, their finances, careers, relationships, everything, in order to take these necessary steps for animals. This isn't fun or glamorous. It's life altering and Mm -hmm. it's vital and it should be supported as much as possible. I agree. I agree with you hundred percent. Now, what are some other types of activism that you would think are great in terms of inspiring people outside of civil disobedience? Okay. Well, um, there's so many different forms of activism and I think that they all should come together collectively and work Mm -hmm. together. Um, That being said, currently in the animal liberation movement, I think that there is far too much reliance on individual changes, such as planting seeds and asking people to go vegan rather than fighting for system changes. And as activists, I think it's only healthy to take a step back every once in a while and assess whether 
what we're putting our time and energy into is actually being effective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And collectively, we have done the same types of actions over and over again for years. And is it working? Are the animals winning? No, nope, they're not. And in fact, the number of animals, as we know, being killed each year is still growing growing every year. So I think that's telling us something and we need to get more radical. We need to get more Mm -hmm. strategic and organized and we need to be putting pressure on the systems that oppress animals, not just the animal consumers. Because as we're seeing here in the West, even if demand for say milk decreases, the government steps in and bails them out with subsidies and grants. And we're noticing that way more right now due to this pandemic that's going on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're hearing so much about all these dairy farmers dumping milk due to COVID, but this should be an ongoing discussion because dairy farmers are constantly dumping milk and people just don't know it because if no one buys it, they're still getting paid. So they're continuing Mm -hmm. continuously overproducing. So we need to address this from different angles. And what's weird is, I mean, the dairy industry you would think would be declining at a dramatic rate after it got taken off the Canadian food guide. Like, why are we giving them money to keep running? I just don't understand it. And it's strange because demand here is decreasing, Mm -hmm. but we're also seeing more and more that Canadian farmers and the Canadian farming industry, they're signing contracts with people over in Asia. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're exporting a whole bunch of stuff. And yeah, regardless, there's still the grants and subsidies that are bailing these industries out. Yeah. So as much as it might be decreasing here in North America, in other parts of the world, it's increasing and we're just taking from them. Yeah. Now, how could someone get involved in, for instance, a Meet the Victims action? And I don't mean just taking part in the inside or outside team, but you mentioned all the types of roles that are available. So how would someone go about getting involved with that? Yeah, that can be a bit tricky sometimes because when it comes to illegal actions, they're very hush-hush. Yeah. So they're not something that's publicly advertised. So in order to get <laughs> in order to get involved, you kind of need to be in the Come loop in. with your local activists. Yeah. Um, but with Meet the Victims specifically, um, you can go on the Meet the Victims website and there's a little form that you can fill out and it will put you in contact with your country's organizer. Or if you're from Canada. Oh, you that's can, cool. Yeah. Or if you're from Canada, just reach out to me and then we can chat. Awesome. I didn't know that. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. You also, you've also mentioned before to me that there were some training groups that were through ALC. Can you explain mm-hmm. what that is and where people can find that? Yeah. So every summer, activists look forward to the Animal Liberation Conference, ALC, in Berkeley, mm-hmm. California. So that's where thousands of activists from all over the world come together once a year, and we learn and take action. But given the pandemic, that has, of course, been canceled. <laughs> so they moved. So unfortunate. I know. It's so sad. But they moved the conference online this year. And so now awesome. it's done. Yeah. So now it's done through live streams and Zoom calls, all for free, which is crazy. Cool. So yeah, there's trainings on so many different topics, like how to organize mass actions, nonviolent communication, using technology in our movement, um, how to start a sanctuary, so many different things. And if you go to the Animal Liberation Conference Facebook page, or you look up their website, you will find the schedule and all the details there. Does that start soon or? uh, It's already been going. So yeah, so there's already been past um, workshops and trainings. And I think they're saved as lives on their Facebook page. So you can go back and check out some videos if you're interested. But if not, stay tuned for the ones coming up. And another excellent online resource right now is the Animal Resistance University. 
And they have been hosting free online workshops pretty much daily on topics like lobbying and police liaison training and consent and intersectionality and so much. Yeah, like it's really, really cool. So yeah, they're Animal Resistance University on Facebook and all of their videos are saved on YouTube. So yeah, I I think this is a perfect- I hope everyone got that. That's amazing. That's some great information right there. Some good tools. I mean, right now we're not doing physical activism, right? And I think that's Mm -hmm. really getting a lot of people down, but it's the perfect opportunity to just get educated and organized and we can come out of this stronger. And get strategic. Yeah. Yes. Strategy for sure. Yes. Yeah, there's there's definitely some positives to this whole madness, I guess. Now, I know that you have dealt and have seen a lot of horrific stuff. So how do you deal with your trauma? How do you deal or what advice would you give to activists who are struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder? Because I know it is rapid and I right. struggle with it quite often. So what advice could you give to activists or future activists that are listening that don't know how to deal with that? Right. So, I mean, really, I can just speak to my own circumstance. And for me, action is catharsis. Animal activism, especially direct action, where we're right there with the animals, like that's repeatedly traumatizing. And when we're witnessing others who are suffering or confined or being killed, that is secondary trauma. And that does affect us really strongly. Um, But for me, I just have to keep fighting. I know that my Mm -hmm. mental health would be so much worse if I stopped doing this work. And that's why I focus so much on activists engaging in activism that works and has quick results because I see the urgency on a regular basis The animals don't have time for us to have casual conversations with 8 billion people on this planet in hopes that they'll maybe one day go vegan. Um, Very true. And unfortunately, activists who do engage in direct action tend to be in this like revolving door where they come and go because it is really hard work. And it's really Mm -hmm. difficult to be content or even happy after witnessing what happens to other animals every second of every day on such a massive scale. We just have to keep being persistent. Otherwise, this hell will never end for them. And we just have to keep fighting and remind ourselves that we're doing everything we possibly can. But it's hard. And I think everyone has their own way of coping. So it's, yeah. And it's hard because sometimes I feel even guilty for being happy. Do you find that happens to you ever? I know that's that's so awful to say, but it's true. I do feel that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, like, how am I, how could I be happy right now when I know what's going on? I know. I think that, like, how can I spend my time, you know, doing something that's fun or, you know, hanging out Mm -hmm. with friends, um, Mm -hmm. when I know that they're just in their suffering, but I don't know if someone's really struggling with PTSD also don't hesitate to get professional help. Um, especially talking to like a vegan therapist. I think that is really, really important. there's lots of those. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, do you think activists should be constantly watching graphic footage then? Hmm. I would yeah. say that there's a difference between watching footage through a screen and seeing it right in front of you. Um, right. Like I went from watching so much graphic footage to then becoming an undercover investigator. And there is a massive, massive difference. I'm sure you have experienced that yourself. Like there is no mm-hmm. comparison. Um, no, there isn't. And it's not pleasant for anyone to watch graphic footage. And if you're an activist and that's strongly affecting you, then stop. (laughs) Um, But for me personally, watching footage like that, 
I mean, it makes me upset and angry as it should, but it's also a strong motivator. And I don't know, I often see like a lot of plant-based eaters who almost seem to forget that there are animals who are brutally suffering and being killed. Or or, like people watch a documentary like Earthlings many years ago and they went vegan, but then they haven't seen anything like that since. And in that case, I mean, people who focus solely on like their diet or other things should be watching graphic footage. Um, I also think more people should be sharing graphic footage online because Mm -hmm. when we think about it, like the general public, when they're, I don't know, asked about veganism or animal rights, there's a huge focus on diets. Even if you scroll through the hashtag, yeah, if you scroll through the hashtag vegan on Instagram, it's mostly food, some products, some people, and little to no animals. We need Mm -hmm. to bring the focus back to the animals. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. Every circumstance is different. Um, so it's hard to say whether people should be watching it or not. I mean, police that yourself. But yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's an important tool. Yeah, I think it definitely motivates me to do something, mm-hmm. even if it's something as little as making a post about it or just sharing it. I think that's super important. Do I think that it's good to be posting that and every day and watching every day definitely not yeah i think there's a time and a place for it for sure yeah and it does it does make a huge impact so yeah and i think a lot of vegans say oh well i don't post that because you know all my friends and family already know or you know they're already vegan and so i'm just posting in this vegan echo chamber but Mm. i think it is important because even when vegans watch that type of footage i mean as it is motivating for me i think it might be motivating for other people yeah it fuels them to to take action for sure and Mm -hmm. take part in actions yes yes yeah that's so true now i guess because covid's going on it's probably a great time for people to use their online platform to advocate for animals Mm -hmm. now what could anyone that's listening who wants to use their voice or their platform and doesn't know where to begin you've got an amazing platform what advice would you give to someone who wants to start doing that but doesn't know where to start Mm. well first get educated yourself if you're kind of confused about what to post um very important look up different things for yourself i go to the animal agriculture like websites and i see like straight from the industry i get information and i share that um yeah just think about what interests you whether that's animal testing or you know aquariums zoos circuses Mm -hmm. food um like just think about so many different things you could talk about yeah there's yeah it's endless really um, also think about what, what are sad. your skills and, and hobbies and think about how you can incorporate that to help other animals. Like my partner, he's a professional photographer and videographer. And so he uses mm-hmm. those skills um, for undercover investigations and to document activism events. Um, I have really good friends who are plant-based doctors. So that's how they utilize their online presence. Um, there's so many different options. But just right. start. Just start sharing from you know, activists that you look up to share some of their content and it'll get the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. Now I know it takes a lot for someone to do that because you're met with so much opposition. And I know it took me so long to finally decide that, you know what? I don't care what people think. Well, I do. Let me take that back. <laughs> I care what people think because I want people to change, but I don't care about dealing with the opposition and I'm going to use my voice and fight for these animals regardless of Mm -hmm. the trolls or the hate that I get for it. So what would you say to people who 
are scared and don't want to be met with do you get a lot of opposition on your social media oh gosh yeah um yeah oh it's it's hard because I'm typically a very sensitive person like I am very affected about how people I don't I know most attacks. animal activists are yeah yeah that's true that's probably why we're yeah. vegan <laughs> um yeah. and it's hard because the internet it's such like it's a terrible place <laughs> but it's also mm-hmm. it's so such a part of our lives now that it's it would be awful to neglect that in our activism um but it's also been really interesting to see for myself how i react to opposition with my activism and you know i get death threats all the time but no way yeah i mean i'm not i'm not surprised because i know that that happens to a lot of animal activists but maybe some people listening are going to be shocked by that yeah, yeah, it's really unfortunate, especially when I see younger activists who are like teenagers, like Zoe Rosenberg, she just posted. I saw that. Yeah, that she was getting like awful, awful death threats. And she's just a teenager. Like she's just mm-hmm. a girl. But yeah, this, I don't know, farmers and the industry, they're really threatened. But it's interesting because I don't welcome death threats. Obviously, that's awful. But I welcome negativity. I welcome the anger. Um, because when people are getting upset and angry they're feeling affected there is a moral conflict happening within them and that's coming out as hatred towards me so be it but i'm challenging their ethics around other animals and if that upsets them that's a good thing Mm-hmm. a hundred percent a whole industry based on violence it's not really surprising you know yeah it's really sad it's almost like they've just become completely desensitized to that the violence and everything yeah, yeah. Now, for anyone that's listening that's on the brink of transitioning, what could you say to them in case they need that one last final push? Well, what do you have to lose? Think about the objections that you have to being vegan. Perhaps it's traditions or convenience, taste, habits, or social pressures. And then think if any of those objections are more important than the entire life of an animal. I can guarantee you that they're not. And I would also suggest watching a documentary like Dominion and that's free on YouTube because that's completely mm-hmm. life-changing and it will help you feel the urgency and importance. Um, and you'll probably never want to contribute to animal agriculture, animal testing, animal entertainment for <laughs> anything like that ever again. I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> you know those memes where you see someone watches Dominion and they're not phased by it? Yeah, uh, I want nothing to do with those people. You know what? That being said, I did take some of my family <laughs> and Nick's family to a Dominion screening and oh, no. n- none of them left vegan. What? None of them. And they watched the whole thing. They watched the whole thing. Oh my gosh. I know. Nick and I went into it and we're like, you know what? If anyone walks out of here non-vegan, they're a psychopath. And then our families walk out. (laughs) (laughs) Like these are people that we love and that we obviously think are compassionate, amazing, you know, loving people. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they just... I don't know. I don't know, man. But your family, your family's vegan now, right? Some of them. So yeah, your mom, since then, your mom. since then, my mom's hardcore vegan. My sister's a hardcore vegan. I'm working on mm-hmm. my grandparents. I'm working on my dad. It's been a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. What about yeah, you? I'm in, I'm in the same boat. Uh, no, no one's vegan. I'm, I'm uh, solo right now, but I don't know. Have they seen my brother? any of the footage? They've definitely seen some of the work that I've done. Yeah. But were they shocked yeah. by it? Yes. Very. 
They were very, very shocked by the Meet the Victims footage. It was shocking to them. And I could tell they were super affected by it for a really long time. Mm -hmm. But nothing ended up happening. I hope that one day my family will make some more compassionate choices. But yeah, that's tough. It is tough. And I know a lot of people and I get a lot of messages asking me how I how people can deal with their families. Like, how did you deal with that before your family went vegan? Oh, family is tough. At the beginning, it was it was a fight. And it was really, really difficult for me. And I think emotions can get really high when it's family. Very, Um, very high. It's different than talking to some random stranger on the street about veganism. Like, yeah, your friends. Yeah. Yeah. And then eventually, I just kind of let it go. And meanwhile, my activism was getting more and more intense. So it was impossible for them to ignore what was happening. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting, even my grandma, she I would go to this, this chicken slaughterhouse all the time for vigils there. And she was just horrified every time she was, she, she has Instagram. My grandma has Instagram. And <laughs> so she would watch our live streams and she's like, oh my gosh, it's so terrible. And she's like, I'm never buying chicken from that place ever again. And I'm grandma. like, I'm like, grandma, it's the same everywhere. And she's like, oh yeah, but I've seen it now. And I'm like, do I literally have to go to every chicken slaughterhouse or every slaughterhouse <laughs> yes, you do. and show you footage in order for you to stop? And she's like, yes. Oh gosh, I have my work cut out for me. All right, I will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. I guess I better get started. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, your, grandma, your grandma isn't vegan though, right? No, no, no. She doesn't consume any dairy, which is good. That's a start. That is a start. But yeah, she's big on the eggs and she definitely consumes animal flesh. But I don't know, just keep educating your family, I guess, mm-hmm. and expose them to, I don't know, the work that you do. Show them, show them what you can. Yeah. Now, you were going to have quite a few talks coming up and events coming up, which obviously are not happening I'm assuming Mm -hmm. so what were you you had Whistler Vegan Fest coming up so what's the deal with that is that now going to be virtual or what where can people find you and hear you okay so yeah I was supposed to go and speak at the Whistler Vegan Fest and that's been canceled um and so yeah we're doing it all virtual so actually tomorrow I'm going to be on their Whistler Vegan Fest podcast. Oh, amazing. Yeah. And so that I think will be launched in June. So I think it's June 20th. They're going to do like a whole like live streams and a bunch of the podcast episodes are going to come out. Um, You're recording it tomorrow. Yeah, but it's being recorded. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, And then I was also just on the Liberation Hour radio show a few days ago. So if you're interested in checking that out, you can go to their Facebook page and there's the video interview there. I also cool. have just before this pandemic, <laughs> I went to a university and I gave a talk there and that speech was recorded. So we're going to release that on my YouTube channel soon. And I gave that awesome. talk to the critical animal studies students at UBC. So yeah, it was very interesting. I gave a lot of insight into animal rights here in Canada and the life of an undercover investigator. So definitely stay tuned for that. And awesome. yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, pretty much anywhere by searching my name, Amy Serrano. And I do have a Patreon account too. So if you're interested in supporting my work, um, people can donate as little as $1 a month. And I think that's about it. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh gosh, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. And hopefully everyone will come to your page and check you out and get inspired. Please do. Please do. 
Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to the first ever interview on the Living Cruelty Free With Me podcast. If you have not already hit subscribe, please do so. And do not forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay updated for upcoming episodes.